open up your Bibles to Matthew 21, and we're going to continue on a series we've been in called, It Really Works, Prayer. And prayer really does work, but a lot of times people um, have religious ideas about prayer. And I don't mean just the people at the other church, even people here. We can adopt religious ideas, and the scriptures are the things that help us to get rid of them, because I don't know if you realize the Bible said it's traditions that come from man that make God's power of no effect. That's a huge statement because we think of God as being all-powerful, and He is, but for some reason, He didn't want to override our will, override us, so He said, if people choose to follow traditions or wrong ideas, it can short-circuit God's power. That's mind-boggling. But how many people, if we were just honest and thought it through, we would know this to be true, those of us who have come to know the Lord. Because we've probably shared with other people about the Lord, and they said, uh, we don't, they, they may say to you, not today, not tomorrow, you know, the next time you talk to them, I don't want to do that. You have to ask this, was God's power available for them right then? Absolutely, because God is willing to do whatever he said and do it now, and they said, not now. So they stopped it or didn't permit it to flow into their life, and so that tells us right there, in that instance, God wills that nobody would perish, but man can stop that power from changing their own life and changing their spirit and making them alive unto God. Isn't that an interesting thought? And here's the thing. If it was not so, um, we would be puppets. We would not have what we call free will and free choice. And it's interesting how this stuff gets mixed into the church, and then we say things like, God's in control of everything. No, he's not. If God was in control of everything, do you think that there would be any room in this place to sit? No way. Because people, everybody would be in church somewhere today. And some churches that have people wouldn't if he was in control. Some places that people call churches would have nobody in them if God was in control. Thank you. <laughs> and then there are other places that you wouldn't even be able to find a place if, if His will was coming to pass completely right then. Now, we cooperate with God's will. We see in Jesus' ministry that it took cooperation to get things in their life. So what we need to realize, just as a side thought, we've talked about this before, that the Bible is God's inspired word. It is the foundation of everything, period, period, period. Thank you for that period again. 
That's it. It just is. And it has to be that way in your heart because really it is what teaches us how to yield to God and to receive from God. And here is the thing. A lot of people, when they talk about prayer, they think they're trying to wrestle something from God that they need and that if they can get enough people praying, they can kind of, you know, dogpile God and he'll finally go, all right, it's yours. There you go. You know what I mean? And they don't realize that God the whole time has paid for everything when Jesus died that you would ever need. And it says all things have been freely given to you or to your my spiritual account. We know this again to be true concerning lost people. How many people is Jesus going to die for in the future? None. Not for one. Why? Because he already paid for it for them. It said he died once for all. So then that means it's freely for all. They just need knowledge, which we get out of this book, and then to do what it takes to walk in the salvation that's provided. You get where I'm at? So that being said, we're going to talk about prayer today, and really probably you could say the most fundamental thing you have to know about prayer. You with me? What we're going to talk about today is the most fundamental thing. It was the most fundamental thing in the Old Testament. It was the most fundamental thing in Jesus' earthly walk, and it is the most fundamental thing really for us. Matthew 21, concerning prayer, and we're going to read verse 22. Jesus said this concerning prayer, and whatever things, things, stuff, whatever things, whatever stuff you ask in prayer, things you ask in prayer, so notice you ask for things when you pray. Notice this, believing you will receive. That's pretty simple. But do you know you can hear that and miss some fundamental things and kind of miss out on what he's trying to say? And if we can get this right, we could go back and start looking at the miracles of Jesus and other people in the Bible and see this is a principle that is evident all over the place. Notice this. He said, and whatever things you, whatever things you ask. Notice, not whatever God wants, whatever things you ask in prayer believing so when you pray you're supposed to believe something he said and then you will receive it believing literally means this so we're when we're praying we're supposed to believe it literally means to think something is true so when you go to pray, you got to be thinking about what you're asking is true, factual. And then it also means to be persuaded of or to place confidence 
in a thing you've believed. So we could read it like this. Be persuaded of, be confident in the things you pray about. Here's what we first need to understand. Is the order in which this is in the Bible. You know, something that disturbs me today greatly, and I think we should be praying for the government, I think we should be praying for people who have a, uh, a voice in local government, um, Hollywood, anywhere there's a big voice that brings influence to people. Because what I see is people are pushing against the standard of law, the rules that are written, and people who should be prosecuted are not prosecuted. People who shouldn't be are being pushed to be prosecuted. And here's the danger in that. Where does it bend and twist for others then? What we should be able to rest in confidently that this would protect me if I do right, and if I do wrong, it would persecute me, or I would get in trouble. If that standard changes, I can't rest in that. I have no comfort in that. I have no confidence in that because I could be doing right, and I could get in trouble. Or I could be doing wrong, get out of trouble. And that's the law of this land that is coming under attack. And there's danger in that because then people who the law was set to protect freedom of speech to share about Jesus, you could get in trouble for that. And then people who speak against the truth could be liberated because the laws are being twisted. Therefore, I would lose confidence. I would lose comfort. And you wouldn't know you know, it would almost come down to some of these lands that are like communist, where if you just come against whatever the government is saying at that time, you could get in trouble and you could be locked away. Now, why am I talking? Am I trying to be political here? No. No, I'm actually trying to help you understand what we're reading. Because this is a fact that we're supposed to be persuaded and confident that certain things are reliable. But now we're not sure if the laws of the land are altogether reliable because we know that we see people and we think, well, they had evidence against them. How come they got off? Then we had other people, they put them in, and later on, years later, they're like, oh, sorry, we had people who were crooked and uh, they didn't go through due process and they, they got thrown into jail. They've been there all these years. We hear about that. And you hear about it more and more. Are there spiritual laws? Yeah, there are spiritual laws. You know, obviously the law of the land is not as superior as the law of God. Even though we would naturally lean on it to get comfort and think, okay, I'm safe because I'm trusting in it and I'm operating within the lines of this law, right? I should be able to have comfort in the laws of the land. But there's a law that supersedes that. It's the laws of God. The laws, the rules by which God has chosen to govern spiritual things. 
We should be able to do the same thing. Know them, lean into them, have comfort in them. Know that if we do this, this is how it will be because it works like this. You with me? And so we shouldn't freak out over the laws of the land. Actually, if we knew there are ways we could pray to tweak things in the land. To our benefit as believers. You with me? And so here he said, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Or being persuaded of when you pray. But notice the order here. That's so important. Believing first, believing before you see, then you will receive. Notice that. That's huge to prayer. Believing you will receive. Believing or being persuaded when you ask and talk to God first then you will receive. Notice it doesn't say you will receive and then you can be persuaded and shout. Woohoo! It worked. And I don't mean to, to sound bad or whatever, but I think there are a lot of people who pray, wait to see if they receive, then they're going to believe I got it. But what we need to understand is we are people that operate in two worlds. We live in this natural world, but we're receiving from the unseen where God is. And we're spiritual beings. As a matter of fact, when you die, your spirit will leave your body. And if you've given your life to the Lord, you will go to be with Him, period, and be with Him forever. You will be. But notice what doesn't go there right when you die. Your body. Because we'll go to a funeral. And say our last goodbyes, but you are already goodbyed. And you are, if you know the Lord, you're already with Him forever. You with me? So when we're praying, we're praying in that realm. And he said, in order to receive, you must believe first. When you pray, you must be persuaded first. Believing, notice, believing, one translation said, you shall. Here it says, you will receive. Believing first then you will receive. So when I pray, I need to believe first. But what is it I'm believing when I pray? Well, I believe in prayer. That's good, but that's not it. Well, I believe in God. That's good, but that's not it. It's connected to the thing you're asking about. What you need to do, and we've talked about this before, is read through the Bible and you will find there are loads, hundreds of verses of things that God has not promised will be yours, but he's already paid for them and said they are yours. Right? Colossians 2.6 says this, 
As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? You believed in him and called on him and he became your Lord. And he said, just as you did that, so walk in him. In other words, keep walking that way. Keep walking. The Bible said the just shall live by faith, which means you believe before you see. So when I get done praying, if I'm believing, then I'm not bothered so much by seeing. I'm more moved by what I believe or what God has said. I have put my trust in him when I pray. And so I want to look at some of these things because we say this, you know, believing comes first. Where do I get my believing that would give me such boldness to go to God and receive? Now, remember, receiving is not me wrestling something out of God's hands. How many people wrestled to get saved? The only wrestling we do concerning getting saved is going, do I want to do this? The world's calling me to stay. God is calling me to go forward. The enemy's saying, you'll be a fool. You'll miss out on life. That's the only wrestling that's going on. There is no wrestling with God. He's full-blown, ready, willing, wanting to do. He just needs somebody to believe that and receive and or accept what he says is theirs. So if you'll read through the Bible, you'll find stuff like this. It says, he's delivered every Christian out of the power of the enemy's hand already. But if you hear people, they'll say, not me. Believing first, you will receive or walk in. You know, the Bible said, by his stripes, you were healed. In other words, the payment was made. Somebody said, that's not con true concerning me. Believing first, you shall receive. Somebody said, well, I'm just not sure. I'm not blessed like other people. Jesus said, because you've received him, the blessing of Abraham is on you. Believing first, you will receive. When do you believe? When you see it? Or do you believe before? For the Christian, it's before. He's actually telling us what or how things are spiritually right now. And spiritual things can come into the natural, but they have to be believed or trusted in first. You with me? So notice this, and we'll look at a few verses. Matthew 8. This is Jesus here. Uh, verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. Now this guy was inquiring of the Lord and needing a miracle for his life. And notice the same thing we said before. Notice verse 13, go your way and as you have believed. That means you've already done the believing now. He said, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. It said then his servant was healed that same hour. In other accounts in the Gospels, it said that he went away believing it was his 
with no answer. And then the servant, one of his servants, came to meet him and said, hey, he was healed. And they inquired, when did it happen? He said, at this hour. He knew that was when he started believing. But notice the believing comes first. Where do I get this believing that I receive from God? I get it out of what he said in his word. How many of you, if somebody said, hey, I paid for this for you. You just got to go to the store and pick it up. And if the person was telling the truth, then you actually have something paid for that belongs to you. And it could sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. But you couldn't say it's not yours. You couldn't say it doesn't belong to you. But in all truth, if you don't trust the person, you may not go pick it up. If you trust the person, but you go, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. But really what would happen when you trust them, your trust would be shown by your actions. You would go down there and get that thing. And it wouldn't be that, you know, you wouldn't fight the person at the store. Give me that. They're like, no, you got to really want it. You got to believe. I believe. Believe more. I'm trying. Give it to me. And I think that's how some people look at God. But remember, Christ paid for all things. It said he has already blessed us. But if I don't know that thing's at the store, or you don't know it's at the store, and somebody said, oh, I forgot to tell you, by the way, I bought this for you about a month ago. What would you think? Why didn't you tell me? I needed that. But even though it's yours, you still got to go get it. And the going and the getting is the believing what he said. And we can all do that. You with me? I mean, there's people who believe all kinds of stuff. Not trying to make fun of anybody. But I mean, there's people who believe all kinds of stuff. I remember... When we had a family place in Montana for years, they had told the story of a sea creature in the lake. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Now, no offense if you believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I've seen the picture too. I, I just don't believe in it. But I would hear these stories about this, and you, you'll hear people, they're skeptical, they're not. It just... You know, do you believe in it? Well, one day I was out fishing. I'd been on that lake probably 40 years at the time. I saw the thing. Serious. They talked it was like a serpent thing. And, you know, obviously they've had a big head on the front. But I saw something that was about 100 feet from shore. This is no joke, no exaggeration. Probably about smaller than a basketball around and had these humps. And it was rolling like four of them. And mine have been 30 feet long. And I was sitting there and I went, that is it. And I thought, I'm really seeing this thing. It's a true story. And I sat and watched the thing from the boat. And it was about 100 feet from shore. And these humps like this. And I'm like, 
I'm missing the head sticking up. True story. And I just sat there and watched it for a while as it went around this point and kept going. And I'm further out in the boat watching this thing. And the third hump broke and stuck its head up. And I went, those are otters following each other, not lifting their head. It looked like this thing. And I went, solved a problem. <laughs> I did. I was like, that's it. Later on, I saw three of them in a row with one to the side. They weren't lifting their head, but they were following each other, and it looked like that. How many people believe stuff like that, and they've never even seen anything? But we have God's inspired word. We should believe what he said. First, and we notice here in the 8th chapter of Matthew, verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, as you have believed, so then let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Notice he believed first. If you go back and read, what is it that he believed first? He just said, tell me a word. We would say it like this, give me a promise out of the word of God. And I'll believe it before I see it. And then his servant was healed. Notice Matthew, the ninth chapter, another verse here that talks about this same type of thing. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes. Now, these people were inquiring, and he said this in the 28th verse, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, he was requiring them to believe first. Not see first, believe first. And he said, and they said, yes, Lord, we believe. So then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that, you know, no one knows this. But they went out and started telling because when people heard this kind of stuff, the crowds got too big. And he couldn't do what he needed to do there. But isn't it interesting that he said, trust first. And really, prayer is an opportunity for you and I to trust in God when we talk to him. God, do this in Jesus' name. I don't have to look to see I trust that he's doing it, then I'll see. You with me? But we're not always taught that. You know, we, we say, let's pray. Do you feel different? Well, let's pray again. We need to believe that something happens the minute we pray. Even if we pray again, we believe that it happened and is working. Notice this, John eleven forty. you guys with me? This is so fundamental, but it's so important. John 11, and you could say this with all these encounters, prayer is just talking to God. These encounters were prayer encounters, so to speak. These people talking to the Lord. And in John 11, it says this in the 40th verse, it says, now, Jesus is going here to Lazarus. 
he has died. Now they think, uh-oh, it's worse than ever. We're in trouble. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, notice the believing here comes first. If you would believe, then you would see the glory of God. What did this mean, if you would believe first, then you would see the glory of God? Well, it was the glory of God, the Bible said, that raised Jesus from the dead. And it was the glory of God that changed bodies and changed his body and did different things like that. And here he said, if you would believe first, did I not say if you would believe? Well, what happened was they were looking at the situation and it was getting worse by the minute. And he didn't say, you know, all different kinds of things. Well, let's look and see it change a little bit. He just said, listen, did I not say if you would believe, then you would see the glory of God? The Aramaic translation says it like this. If you would believe, if you would, you would. Question mark. If you would believe, one translation says, if you may believe then you would see. Let me say that again. If you would, if you would, then you would. But what does it mean? If you would believe, then you would see. What we need to do is realize this. What we see, what we feel, what we experience is mainly how we've been trained in life. How do you feel today? What's going on? And I understand feelings are a real thing, and I'm not saying deny feelings, but I am saying that we need to believe something beyond. We need to believe the written word. Now, I'm going to read this verse and just make a couple of explanations. This is the principle of faith that everybody should live by. Why is it that we read the Bible? It's because we want to know the factual rules, law, what was inspired by God, what we can lean hard on, what we can put our trust in. We're not trying to just get it so we can argue with one another. We're just trying to know what's in there so we can lean hard on it or rest in it. In other words, if I come up to something, have you ever gone to lean on something and it wasn't what you thought and the thing fell over and you fell with it? The Word of God is not like that. It is steady, steadfast, so we need to understand if we'll trust it, it'll hold us up. It will occur as it says, but it's a believing thing first. So Romans 10 says this, a familiar verse, but it shows the the rule or the law of faith and how it works. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Now let me ask you this. When you pray, do you have to open your mouth? Well, technically, I guess for the most part, you do. When we pray, now I do know you could pray internally, but for the most part, we lift our voice to the Lord and we say, 
Lord Jesus, you know, or God in the name of Jesus, this, this, this. And we use our mouth. But you'll notice from the things we've said before, you have to be engaging your heart, your belief. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about our core belief. Do you really believe? Jesus asked, do you believe? And he said, if you do or you can, if you can get yourself to believe, he said, you will receive. And then he would basically tell us today, find a scripture, rely on it, trust in it, and you will receive. Notice verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and. So remember, pray, say, believing. Here it says, say or confess and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Stop right there, period. If we didn't read any further, he's given two rules. A declaration or a proclamation, a words out of your mouth. Now, these are just a declaration word, but prayer is the same type of thing. I'm saying it to God, but notice two things that have to be there. Words out of your mouth, something you believe in your core. Notice that they are before seen. Because he said here, and then you will be saved. And the word saved there literally means protected, healed, delivered, made whole, and on and on. Notice, for with the heart, now he's going to explain, for with the heart, or with the core, way down on the inside, one believes unto right standing or righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, we live in a world today that tells you don't say what you believe, hold back. And, and it's interesting because sometimes the lies of the enemy or the lies of the world or whatever you want to say, try to intimidate people. We're going to sing a song. It's going to be, I'm free. I don't feel like that. Or you're like, I know this to be true, but I brought two friends to church today. Are they looking at me? And that just would stop you, though you believe it in your heart. It would stop you or could stop you from lifting up your voice and singing to the Lord. What would that do if you met these conditions again? Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. How many of us have ever known times where we're like, I don't feel like praying, but I know it's the right thing. And what it does for you just by engaging your heart, expressing it through your mouth. And we need to recognize this is the same rule that Jesus said would move mountains that would get rid of bitterness in people's lives. And the list goes on and on and on. And so if this stuff is already provided, I got to get my believing in line with it. How many people are begging God to do something? That's not this kind of praying. Come on, God. You know I need this. No, this kind of praying is not trying to force God. This kind of praying is actually 
finding out that God has already provided it, already wants you to have it in your life. It's already to your account. All you have to do is connect by your trust. Okay, you said it's mine. I believe it's mine first. I declare it's mine now. You with me? Thank you, it's mine now. Now, those are words that are right, but they need to be connected with believing. Okay, my life does not look blessed, but you said I'm blessed, so I'm going to start believing it now just because you said it. I'm telling you, Father, I trust what you said, so I receive this as a fact in my life. And I'm just going to align my believing and my thinking with it, and I'm going to declare that from now on. What if I went around after I prayed, believing, and said, it's not working. It's not happening. It's been a week. Isn't it interesting that some of the people walked away from Jesus after they believed, and it said, as they went, they were healed? So it wasn't instantaneous always. We see that in the Bible. But I wonder how many people cut the blessing off of their life because they believe. In other words, not that the blessing's gone, but they kind of short-circuit it because they did believe in their heart, but then they started looking at things, and the Bible said they were blessed, and then life didn't look like it, so they started talking like what they saw instead of what they believed. And those people didn't know Proverbs 18.21 said, death and life are in the power of your tongue and that our lives are full based on the words we say. And so we could say, well, the blessing of God used to be on my life. It's not like it used to be. Why did I say that? I didn't say it because of his word. I said it because of what I saw. Seeing should be secondary to what we believe and what we say.